Welcome to the Christian Life Institute and our radio message, The Living Way, with Dr. Katherine Pang, psychologist, author, and teacher. The Living Way brings a message of healing and hope that starts with a desire to live differently, to know Christ more deeply. With exhortation and encouragement, Dr. Pang's teaching is based on both scripture and brain science. We can learn to grow forward in Christ with practical, real ways, living victoriously as overcomers in, but not of, this world. And now, Dr. Katherine Pang. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang, and it is so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way. Last week, we introduced The Living Way, the radio ministry of the Christian Life Institute, and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward, to live victoriously as overcomers in, but not of the world, through the hope and healing of Christ. If you missed our message, you can stream it from our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. Today, we want to share some stories and provide some insights that focus on not losing heart, even when it's really discouraging, really dark, really painful, because God has a great love for you. We pray that this time may be an encouragement to you as you continue to find restorative hope and healing in Christ, as you continue to grow forward in and through him. Let's start with a story snippet. In case you're new to the Christian Life Institute, The story snippet is a brief excerpt that highlights a struggle, an area of pain, a cry for change that ends with a recognition of who God is and what he can do. Much like David crying out in the Psalms, David often starts with an expression of his doubt, fear, trouble, pain, disappointment, frustration, and so many other real displays of his humanity. But God. David's psalms end in a recognition of God and a praise to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us from Ephesians 3.20. We welcome your story snippets and encourage you to email them to us at radio at christianlifeinstitute.com. We have more information under the radio ministry tab on our website. Now let's hear from one of our supporters who wrote in. And I quote, I spend a lot of time being hyper-focused on what others think about me. Don't say this, don't wear that, don't act that way, etc. Lately, I have been questioning, what do I think of me? It is hard for me to separate my genuine thoughts from the thoughts that I think I am supposed to think, feel, or act. It is often loud and overwhelming in my mind. I cannot seem to quiet all the thoughts I have throughout the day. Recently, when I get overwhelmed with my thoughts of who do I want to be and who am I, I turn to God in prayer. Sometimes I ask him why my mind won't quiet down. Other times I simply ask him to bring me peace within the loudness. While in prayer yesterday, I was prompted that maybe I was asking the wrong question. Maybe it's not, what do I think of me? Maybe it's, what does God think of me? I was comforted with that thought because I know God's love is unconditional. And I also know that I'm not at a place where I can quiet my brain or act in a way that is genuine to who I am because of my people-pleasing tendencies. What I do know is that I can look to the Lord 
and read his word in those moments of doubt and know that his word is truth. I don't need to question whether it's genuine or not. I can choose to trust and rest in his love and acceptance and remind myself that he loves me beyond anything I could think or imagine. He wants to work in my life and grow me in him. I just need to rest in him and trust his love for me. Thank you, we say, for sending us a snippet of your story. Thank you for sharing your struggle with us. And thank you, supporter, for choosing to trust in your Savior and not yourself. For those who want a Christ-based resource and are struggling with the question, Who am I in Christ? CLI has a workbook titled The Journey of Discovery, Who Am I? which is available through our website or on Amazon. It's modeled after the 12 steps and is designed around identifying a powerlessness struggle and then working the workbook around that struggle. For our supporter who wrote in, the struggle is people-pleasing. Do you have a powerless struggle? You can start your journey today towards freedom in Christ. As we shared at the beginning of the show, our encouragement focus today is to not lose heart and to be reminded of how great a love Christ has for you. As humans, it's not uncommon or unusual to be discouraged, to lose heart, to become weary, overwhelmed, worn out, even skeptical and cynical towards yourself, others, and even God. It's also common to our humanity to become quickly conditioned, entrenched, comfortable in certain ways of being, thinking, and behaving. Paul's message to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 is our message for today. Because whatever you are experiencing, whatever we are experiencing in the diversity of our situations, we have a commonality, the ability to look past what is seen, the circumstances, the externalities, as we refer to them at CLI, both therapeutically and spiritually, to what is not seen, to walk by faith. Let's read 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, where Paul writes, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And in Romans 8:28, a scripture we know oh so well, we read, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This journey, this lifestyle, who is Christ, requires that we choose to walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Faith is defined for us in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, where I read, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their condemnation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And I apologize, for by it the people of old received their commendation, not condemnation. We are all flawed and we'd all make mistakes. We just want to correct them real time. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, 
For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. These verses from 2 Corinthians, Romans, and Hebrews highlight God's sovereignty. God has a plan and a purpose. He is intentional in all of his ways. God is not haphazard, sloppy, indecisive, unsure, trepidatious, ambivalent, or wavering. God is on point all of the time, every time. God is not surprised at what we've termed from our human perspective, the uncertainty, unpredictability, and upheaval of our world, our lives, our feelings, or our thoughts. Jesus is not unaware of our afflictions. He understands our humanity, our pain, our hurts, our disappointments. God loves you. Take a moment and let that sink in. God loves you. And he demonstrated that love through the person of Jesus Christ. He does not demand anything of us that was not demanded of him. This is an essential point. God is not out to hurt us, condemn us, or destroy us. Did you hear that? God is not out to hurt you, condemn you, or destroy you. God desires to heal and grow. You and I have the choice. We need to ask ourselves, we need to really ask ourselves to dig deep, not just intellectually or theologically, not just based on what we hear in church, not even based on what, unfortunately, flawed humanity and hypocritical Christians and everyone else demonstrates around us. But do you, in your personal relationship with Christ, want to walk in his freedom and his glorious light? Let's take a quick review of what Jesus faced when he walked among broken humanity in this messy world. Jesus' new temptation. In Mark 1.13, he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. Jesus' new poverty. In Matthew 8.20, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus' new frustration. In John 2.15-16, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Jesus knew weariness. John 4, 6. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Jesus knew disappointment. Luke 13, 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks but you were not willing. Jesus knew rejection, John 6, 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus knew sorrow, Matthew 26, 38. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus knew ridicule, Mark 15, 19. Again and again, they struck him and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid mocking homage to him. Jesus knew loneliness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We read in Matthew 27, 46. Jesus experienced the pains, sorrows, hurts of broken humanity. He experienced the unfairness, prejudice, and biases of this messy world. But God, yet he healed. Yet he provided hope. Yet he loved, and he loves you. 
no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done, he loves you. So let us not lose heart. Let us choose to prayerfully practice Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Paul is addressing the church in Corinth during a vulnerable time in his own life. He was suffering and empathetically hurting for the struggles of the church. Paul's heart of love for his spiritual children was grounded in a desperate desire for them. The church, the members of Christ's body, you and I, to stand united as members of one another and as one body. In this letter, Paul reminds the church in Corinth that he had faced numerous afflictions. For example, in 2 Corinthians 11.25, we read, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. Paul was not a stranger to this messy world and the pain, struggles, and conflict that surrounded him and afflicted him. But God, Paul chose, as he wrote in Philippians 3.10, to know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul, as Jesus, as you and as I, have all experienced afflictions, perhaps of a differing and varying degree. We all have a story which includes pain and loss. I lost a husband to cancer and personally walked through cancer. We all have the opportunity through our afflictions, as Paul refers to them in 2 Corinthians 4.17, to look up to Jesus, to align vertically rather than be tossed and fro by the externalities, the afflictions, the messiness of this world and this life. Paul was encouraging and exhorting the church at Corinth, as he is you and I today, to remember to be mindful that whatever the afflictions, as Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, they are momentary in light of God's eternal purposes and are pointing us to the things unseen so that we can have faith in Christ, which is secure and unshakable. There is absolute hope in Christ. We can choose to turn into the hope and way that he provides, rather than be distracted and derailed by the afflictions of this life, which are real and painful. Paul understood through his own painful experiences that life is fleeting, and we have a choice as to our perspective. You have a choice as to your perspective. In God's word, the Bible is asking you to choose his eternal perspective. Look up into the loving, life-giving eyes of Christ. God is at work, as we are reminded in Romans 8.28, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Our good is not necessarily physical or material. It is our spiritual well-being. God's desire is that you and I become more like Christ. In the verse following in Romans 8:29, we read, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God desires to conform and transform us into the image of his Son. God transforms. 
It is the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us, the spiritual healing of our soul that quenches our thirst, delights our soul, and allows us to walk in his hope. If we choose to remain faithful, to look up into the loving eyes of Christ, we can see through the afflictions in our life. He is growing us forward to be more like him. God is fully invested in the completion of his perfect work in you and me, as Paul reminds us in Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Francis Fenelon, in his book, A Guide to True Peace, writes, and I quote, The Lord polishes the soul which he draws to himself with a rough file of temptation. By means of temptation and tribulation, he humbles, subjects, and exercises it. He purifies and strips the heart in order that all its operations may be pure and of value. We are of great value to the Lord, and he desires our refinement, our purification for his glory. John Piper shared in a message, and I quote, Paul called his lifelong beatings and shipwreck and sleepless nights and agony for the church. He called it momentary. He called it light, and he called it momentary. Twenty, thirty years of relentless imprisonments and persecution, and he calls it momentary, and he calls it light. This text says our light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. I will venture this every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man. Every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that, end quote. John Calvin wrote, and I quote, As our flesh always shrinks back from its own destruction, whatever reward may be presented to our view, and as we are influenced much more by present feeling than by the hope of heavenly blessings, Paul on that account admonishes us that the afflictions and vexations of the pious have little or nothing of bitterness if compared with the boundless blessings of everlasting glory. He had said that the decay of the outward man ought to occasion us no grief inasmuch as the renovation of the inward man springs out of it, end quote. So we ask, in light of the pain of my humanity, of your humanity, and the struggles of this life, how can you, how can I practically not lose heart? It starts with a choice. Choose to look up into the loving, hope-filled, spiritually healing eyes of Jesus. Choose to remind yourself of the truth of Scripture by reading cover to cover, infusion, as we call it at the Christian Life Institute, Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation, over and over and over again. Write down what we at CLI refer to as truth anchors, some true statements that you can use to reground yourself when the doubting thoughts come, when the externals press on you, when you can't see past yourself. And we teach you at the Christian Life Institute how to identify and write down these truth anchors. Write them down and read them in those troublesome moments and then choose to move up into the truth what we at CLI refer to from brain science is the prefrontal cortex, that top part of your brain that has those executive function skills for decision-making and rational thought rather than staying down in the darkness of the feelings and distorted thinking. 
what is CLI, we refer to from brain science again as the limbic system, where all those emotions and feelings, the lower part, the primitive part of the brain, no matter how hard, choose to shift up, to align with Christ, to look up, remind yourself of the truth of 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In this season and life, which is a journey of seasons, we as Christ followers have opportunities to, through his strength and his power, reflect him to a broken and hurting world. So let us not lose heart. As a wise Christ-following friend shared with me, let us meet our afflictions head-on, with courage, with love for others, with our eyes on the Lord, our eyes on the prize of our high calling, Christ Jesus the Lord, as citizens of heaven motivated by the one true Lord who humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, as we read in Philippians 2.8. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. We want all who profess Christ, who we refer to as Christ followers, those who want to follow, to walk the narrow road, the sanctified life, to live at a deeper level where you can taste and see the reality of Christ working in your life on a daily basis, to understand Psalm 34, 8, to taste and see that the Lord is good, to truly, deeply, intimately, and personally want Christ to be your all in all. We pray this as a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. We welcome your stories and your questions. We want your story snippets. And you can visit our website to learn what a story snippet is, to send us one or two paragraphs or up to a one-minute audio recording of your stories to our email, radio at christianlifeinstitute.com. And we can review them and perhaps contact you to seek your permission to use them on the living way. We want to grow forward together as Christ followers, to be able to live victoriously as overcomers in but not of this world, to be able to be in those places God has called us, whether we're walking the dog or serving in a restaurant or working in a high rise or at home with our challenging children or perhaps challenging spouse or challenging dog, to be able to overcome those challenges through the hope and healing of Christ, to be able to recognize we all need hope and we all need healing. And the foundation for this call is to recognize that in Romans 15, 13, the God of hope can fill you and I with all joy and peace and believing. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can abound in hope. And in 1 Peter 5, 10, after we've suffered a little while and there will be suffering in this life, there will be challenges and we can overcome, we can press through, we can be victorious through God's grace through his restoration, as we allow him to confirm, strengthen, and establish us. God wants to change our perspective. He wants us to learn how to know him and follow after him, regardless of what's happening in our life. Recognize that we already have the victory and we are overcomers to be able to appropriate that, that we can truly experience that, even in the depth of our discouragement and disappointment. And to be able to walk together, to grow together, to taste and see that the Lord is good. To be able to stand as members of his body, 
joined together for his purposes and his glory, to recognize that he has a plan and to desire to hear it, to know it, to live it, to follow after it. And as we do, we get to strengthen and encourage one another because of his great love for us and believing that he knows the way. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang, and I'm so grateful that you've joined us for The Living Way. Please tune in next Saturday at 6.30 p.m. for The Living Way. Thank you for listening to The Living Way with Dr. Katherine Pang. This program is sponsored by Christian Life Institute. Follow the Christian Life Institute on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. We welcome your stories and questions. Please email us at radio at christianlifeinstitute.com and please visit our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. That's christianlifeinstitute.com. We look forward to growing forward together next week.